So I have a free gift for you. I realize that might sound a little sales pitchy, but legit free gift. I have a practice log, which I've been using for a few years with my clients and for myself. I use it both for practicing my instrument, if I'm practicing piano or any other instruments I play, or for my workout routine. It's super simple to use and you can go download it for free at holisticpianoacademy.com. There's no catch. It's just something I've really found to be extremely beneficial in these very trying times to find some clarity and set priorities. So if there's something you'd like to avail, go to holisticpianoacademy.com. Hello fellow beings. Welcome to Tapasya Loading, a safe space to attempt honest, raw and authentic conversation in homage to the ancient act of stoking a sacred fire. Well, it's um, um, I have been on the road since uh, I mean for, for pretty much all the last week with uh, uh, with one of the academies where I'm teaching with final examinations and and both entrance examinations, which is always an, an exciting time in the year because you're you're messing around with the biography of of people who are aspiring to make. Uh, a career in the in the music business to some degree, uh-huh. and uh, and that's always something exciting and something uh, that comes with a lot of responsibility. So uh, it's like today is is a is is a no teaching day. I'm basically just catching up with all kinds of office work and uh, making phone calls, getting getting paper off the desk basically gotcha. how does it feel for you to be on a jury of teachers and educators who have that kind of uh well for lack of a better term power over deciding the future of young musicians um i feel you should never forget about the responsibility that you have yeah. and uh and usually i always try to uh to imagine what it was like back in the day when, uh, when I would be in, in kind of, say, similar shoes as these people that are playing for me, mm-hmm. and uh, not forgetting the, uh, not f- forgetting where you came from, and not forgetting that uh, you used to be a student as well, or, or better say, I'm, I'm still considering myself as a lifelong student of the, of the drums and arts and music and, and, and life. So not forgetting about all of that and uh, is, is, I think, a, a very important aspect when, you, when you're in, in a jury like that. Beautiful. Can we talk about that a little? Where did your musical journey start? Oh, sure. Uh, you, how, how far would you like me to go back? As far as you feel comfortable and relevant talking about. I mean, um, I come from, from a household in which uh, music always was an important part. So... Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, my father was was a very, I mean, although not professional musician, a very ambitious and and serious, say, semi-professional player. And uh, both of my grandfathers uh, did play music also and were very ambitious about that. My my older brother uh was playing music so music was always an important part in our lives and uh, uh and there was also my my godfather who had played the drums um uh in a 
dance band after the war and uh, and the and the drums were still there at the house of my parents um i mean they they were not actively set up somewhere it was more or less in some remote place but mm-hmm. i would find the drums and uh, to me it was my say it was one of my favorite toys it it was the place where i would go to and uh, and try I mean, just like kids do, you 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 know, you you invent stories uh, and and you turn into a character uh, that th- that you are not, and 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 in the midst of uh, inventing all these stories, you are coming up with your own soundtrack that you produce on the drums, and uh, that was kind of like what I did. So that's the that's the very first memory that I have, and uh, mm-hmm. and that reaches back to say, I don't know my. Some, somewhere at, at age of four or five, that, that's somewhat the earliest memory that I have of that. Do you remember the sounds you grew up around? Your first memories of music, the kind of music you grew up around? Kind of music. Um, I mean, to a, a, to a large degree, um, I mean, the, the, the sources um, or, or the, the styles of genre where my grandfathers and my father came from was more or less, say, traditional um, brass band music, if you will, yeah. marching music yeah. in a very traditional German-like style, I should say. But, uh, but there was also um, a, a very important input, which, uh, and, and I don't think I ever have been talking about that, but as a, as a young kid, I, uh, I kind of fell down the stairs at, the, at my parents' house from oh. the very top, to the very bottom. And when I arrived at the bottom, I couldn't speak anymore. The, the only thing I could still do was stuttering. Really? In a in a very drastic way. So, mm. no speaking anymore. It was it, I was I was literally w- without voice and when I tried to speak, I, I was so shocked about that about that accident with this with that set of stairs that I fell down that I couldn't speak anymore. Wow. So, uh, How old so are the, you? the um I wasn't into kindergarten mm-hmm. and, and I, and I remember how I fell down, but I have no memory of myself, uh, stuttering. I, I, I can't recall that. It's just my, my mom would tell me you were not able to speak anymore. Wow. And the doctors would tell her, uh, you need to sing with the kid as long as you can, because when you're singing, you can't stutter. Amazing. That was it. So, so what my mother would do, she would, uh, she would sing with me from early in the morning, from the point of where I woke up to the point of where we go to bed. And, uh, and she would sing with me most any song that you could imagine. And I have lots of memories of that, which also may account for the aspect that, uh, I think I'm pretty good with memorizing music mm-hmm. and, uh, and being exposed to all kinds of songs and singing and remembering music, that was a very important part to getting my speech back. And when I then went to kindergarten, I was still kind of stuttering, but it was, I mean, drastically improved. And when I then got to school at age of six, it was almost gone. Amazing. So, so the yeah. healing properties of music was something you were familiar with from the very early onset of your life. I would think so. I would think so. And it also goes to say how much uh, 
speaking and music and communication and health and your all around envi environment and, and development as a kid uh, is, uh, can be influenced in a drastically positive way by music. Amen to that. Which is a very strong message, I think. I agree. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. Um, do you remember when you consciously decided to play drums for the first time in your life? To consciously decided to play drums, you say? Yeah. yeah. It it wasn't. I mean, like as a profession, or to consider that? To, no, just generally sit down on the drums. Like, here's an instrument. I want to play this. Do you remember the first spark of? And uh, initiation into that process. I'm I'm not I'm not super sure uh, about the very first moment. I'm I'm I, I wouldn't say I'm I'm able to recall that, but I was fascinated by the bass drum pedal, which mm -hmm. I still have. It's it's just just up there on the shelf. Amazing. And, uh, and I was fascinated by by the sound that. Uh, that a felt beater created on a cymbal mm -hmm. and, uh, and by the sound of a felt beater as you, uh, as you, as you strike a tom-tom. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. so, so, and as I said before, it, it's, it's about that script of inventing your own stories with monsters, dinosaurs and whatever, and, and you're creating your, yeah. like your own story with that. It was it was the the fascination of of that which uh, which I think came first, and it was it was I think much later when I thought about drums being a, a musical instrument in which I am for the most part accompanying other musicians. That idea only came way later. To to me, it really was it was a toy that I got fascinated with, and I don't remember that very first moment when I sat down and tried to play some of it. I mean, in the first place, I was, as a kid, you're always too small to sit down behind the drums and reach every, and right. reach out to every instrument right. so, so that you can play it in a comfortable way. That, that was not the case. It's just, uh, you try to reach out to things as good as you can and, and you, and you, you approach it very much like from a standpoint of kid logic, mm -hmm. uh, and not really uh, like, Oh, I want to sit down and play the drums. <laughs> it's interesting that, that you mentioned that if I may take a minute to share I was um, watching uh, one of your solo performances last night mm. I think it might have been a Drumeo um, video or maybe another one I can't quite remember I went through quite a few, a few and I was watching it with my girlfriend I remember both of us saying that's one of the first things we talked about like when you play it sounds like a story so it's interesting oh, cool. yeah so it's interesting that you say that now. Uh, it's it's yeah, it, it's very evident to hear when you're playing that there's there's a script there, there's a story from the beginning till the end when you play. It's uh, so <laughs> it's very interesting to hear where the roots of this approach comes from. Thank you for sharing that. Um, how old uh, were you when you officially started playing drums, so to speak? Well. Um Starting officially, hmm. when when you say officially, you you have something specific in mind. Like, what would that mean? Uh, that's a good question, right? At which point would um, would you say? Um, 
How did you, or was it just something you always were doing all your life because of the musical background your family had? Were you just playing drums anyways? Or was there a specific point in time where you actually, yeah, said, okay, I'm going to start taking drum lessons now. Or I'm going to start being a drummer now. Forgive me if my uh, question sounds too vague. No, no, no. It, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, 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 a, it's a good question, actually. It's just... Uh, uh, not always there, there's, an, there's a, a very clear and concrete answer for it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, so, so I remember the, my, my father's brass band rehearsing um, at our house for quite a while, and the place where my drums were set up was just in the room besides that. And, uh, and I remember quite sometimes when they would rehearse and I would try to accompany them, but they didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, nice. And it was it was me being around that age of five or or six, maybe something like that. And and I had been fooling around with the drums, as I mentioned earlier, some, starting somewhere between the age of four and five. That's the oldest memory that I have when I started playing yeah. drums. That's very young. But uh, it was uh, it was only much later when I started taking the first, of, say, formal drum lessons which was mostly inspired by the aspect that, um, I mean, as, as a kid, I would grow into that brass band that my father and my brother and, and my grandfather w was into. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, uh, and I mean, since I had no musical education in the broadest sense, I hadn't taken any drum lessons in whatever shape or any music lessons by then. Uh, except the, the the clarinet lessons that I had with my father, say somewhere when I was seven or something like that, mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. um, but no drum lessons at all, and I was struggling with all kinds of things. And uh, and of course, everybody in that brass band that I mentioned would know better than you. And uh, yes. there would somebody would come around. Oh, you you, you take you, you're picking the sticks in the in the wrong way. You do this. And uh, on that tune, you need to play that. And uh, no, you're, you're, you need to play like this. No, you need to play like that and do this. And you're, you need to play a role in that. And I said, what is that? And I, I didn't know anything. So, uh, I mean, not to speak about interpreting reading, written music. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was out of that necessity that I was looking into drum lessons, which I was very afraid of because... Uh, uh, I thought, boy, I will never make it to, to really read music. Ah. I, I feel I, I will be struggling with that. I, I was really afraid of that, I can remember. Uh, and um, <laughs> anyhow, that, that was, say, somewhere around the age of 10, 11, when the, when the music I began to play in that marching band was starting to be a little bit more complicated with more room for interpretation in the music and... Uh, and also with uh, uh, with that band going out to uh, to uh, to play little events that you were invited to also join in, and uh, of course I couldn't play until late at night. So another drummer entered like after a certain timeline, and because oh, uh, of age restrictions. Yes, sure, for age restrictions. Wow. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, no. Um, and um, it's. Um, and boy, what then? So yeah, my first formal drum lesson, say somewhere around age ten, I'd say, mm -hmm. and uh, and from there, a, a lot of things uh, gained 
quite some momentum because the teacher that I had back then was, I mean, he, he was he was living in the in the, in the same town in the same little village, and he was. Uh, uh, I, I still suppose he was most likely the, the the best teacher that I could have around that time. He was not classically trained. He was mostly a drum set player, mm-hmm. uh, who was playing drums for for a living. So really, a, a professional drummer mm-hmm. who was playing in all kinds of of rock bands back then, in which he would play say mostly original music but also then cover stuff of whatever style and genre mm-hmm. and i would i mean for the for the say next 10 years uh have a, a pretty close relationship with him also including teaching at a private music school that he would open then mm-hmm. at a later point in time when when my teacher came back from Los Angeles where he had studied um, at the Musicians Institute mm-hmm. and uh, and I kind of af- after my 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 service with the with the Red Cross back then you could make your choice if you go to the army or if you do some sort of social work right, right. I decided for social work I did not go to the army and uh, and uh, before that I made an apprenticeship still and finished school all in the very official very normal way right. and after that um, I basically quit my job and started working for that private music school and that was when I turned into a professional drummer more or less playing in all kinds of of bands, whenever somebody needed a drummer, I would say, yeah, I can do it. So I ended up playing all kinds of stuff from still maintaining that thing in that, in that brass band where I had started out many years ago to, uh, to all kinds of semi-professional dance bands, rock bands, where I played original music, salsa bands, percussion ensembles, anything you could think of. I did it with very few exceptions. <laughs> Amazing, that's beautiful. Uh, there's a specific uh, point in your story that, that I personally find very curious. You mentioned something about your fear of reading music. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a fear that still exists, but it's a fear I share very commonly. Um, I had a similar experience. I grew up uh, being trained. Uh, I'm, I'm primarily a pianist and a composer, but uh, I was an apprentice to... Um, a percussionist, a Latin percussionist, who uh, taught us rhythm in a very specific manner wherein your body is your primary guide. Um, this was in my late teens. And then when I moved to Europe to study music formally, I went to Berkeley's German partner at the time. Um, my teachers in the beginning were very happy with my timing, as they uh, would call it, which I personally find a very vague term, by the way. But, um, and... Except in the so-called rhythmic lesson, um, I flunked my first year because it was all reading. Uh, it was that was my first. Uh, even though I've uh, spent parts of my childhood in Europe, this was my, like this was the first time I was interacting directly on a musical uh, format, and it was my first culture shock. Wherein I stood there going into a rhythm class and then the next thing I know I'm given a sheet of paper which I'm supposed to read from I was completely at a loss is this something uh, is it, or this tradition of looking upon rhythm as black dots only there are generations of drummers and musicians who've grown up thinking rhythm is primarily black dots on white paper what is your st- stand on this 
Well, my, my standpoint on this, interesting question. I mean, first of all, um, uh, that, that fear uh, that I had about reading and interpreting music that I had back then, mm -hmm. it doesn't exist anymore. Excellent. Uh, I want to ask you more about how you got over it. <laughs> I mean, in, in the meantime, I, I would rather consider it as as one of my one of my strong points. But but that's a, that's a different story. Mm -hmm. But uh, say, if I were to uh, express my standpoint in a nutshell, I would say any any piece of written music is always subject to interpretation. Any right. piece of written music is uh, is some sort of uh, a shorthand for a musical idea that somebody else had in mind mm -hmm. and uh, uh, and I think that the true art comes in to the game uh, when you have somebody breathing life in into that arrangement of of ink on the paper beautiful and, uh, and I would even think that uh, if you play a certain piece, Ten times, I would not think it should sound the same every time around. Mm -hmm. I, I could easily imagine to have it sound like a little different every time, depending on the mood that I'm in, depending on the energy in the room, depending on the people that I perform with, depending on the audience that is listening to me, mm -hmm. depending on how the room smells, depending on how the room sounds, and depending on the... My instrument and, and its condition, which is not the same everywhere you go. Um, exactly. So there's a lot of things that, that account for all the differences that come to interpreting written music. Beautiful. And, uh, and, th and there's a, a lot of evidence. Uh, th I mean, even going back to the, to the 1700s, um, even here with, with Western music, in which people would say, it can't be the same every time around. It it exactly. is supposed to be different, and uh, and a lot of people are just stuck with that idea that there is only one way to play a certain piece of music, and it should be the same every time around. And they even consider that as some sort of special quality that it should have, right. which I think is lame. That's not true. That's not that's not art. And art was never about perfection in the first place. Art right. was always about authenticity and art was about um, uh, say, con connecting your, your soul and your very personal expression with the music that is possibly on the bandstand, in, on the music stand in, in front of you, uh, or not. Maybe it's just in your head, but you got to give it some meaning. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, way more important. But of course, there is no way around interpreting music which somebody puts in front of you because I noticed it's a very vital part of making a living as a musician right. and it helps to analyze your own playing. It helps to, to capture ideas when you're practicing in a real quick way. Oh, let me, let me just quickly write that down because, I mean, that's, that's the easiest way to, uh, to visually uh, understand the, the relationship between different rhythmic layers and all of that, which right. may be hard to do in a very abstract way. Absolutely. That resonates deeply with me. I'm, I'm from the same camp. Um, I'm curious, though, that sensitivity and awareness for that, for, 
for these aspects towards the music, that realization. How has that journey been for you? How what was the journey that led you to this conclusion? <laughs> um, it, let, let me say it was not planned for. It was uh, right. it, it was something which is um, uh, you know some some things just come to you mm-hmm. and uh, and you got to be aware of them and. Uh, and uh, you may have your personal dreams and, and goals and uh, things that you would like to reach out for. And of course, you're working towards that. But there's also the, the dynamics and the momentum uh, that other things do in your, both in your personal life as a human being, but also in your musical life as an artist. There mm-hmm. are certain things that you possibly do well and you're not that much aware of it. But uh, other people are. And that creates a momentum that may even push you towards the totally different side of, of, of things and not towards the direction that you think you should be heading for. Right. And, uh, and life is somewhere in between. Life mm-hmm. is somewhere about finding a compromise with what you would like to be and where you would like to see yourself and, uh, and where life pushes you. Very it's somewhere in yeah yeah and, that makes uh, a lot of sense people you you meet along the way uh and the the mentors and the and the teachers and the the people that are dear to you and the people whose advice you uh uh, uh choose to consider they have a strong impact on all of that beautiful so what, what would your advice be to younger musicians who are seeking to figure out that balance? A lot of them don't even know about this balance that need to be struck. I'm looking at a lot of younger people. I find this exceptionally interesting in your case because you didn't grow up in New York or Los Angeles or London. You grew up in um, a more, up, for lack of a better term, obscure part of Germany. And yet here you are being one of the world's best. So what would you say has been the, if you could boil it down to one factor that kept your energetic perspective on focus on this essential part of music, what would it be? How did a kid from an obscure village in Germany make it there? Because there are so many out there who don't. What what, What made you different? Just what made me different, um, and I, I'm I'm genuinely curious when I ask this. Yeah, um, I would I would possibly say, uh, and, and I'm and I'm not even sure if that's the only thing, but that's something that that comes to my mind right now in the first place. It's uh, it's the awareness of what I refer to as uh, the game zone and the drill zone. Mm-hmm. The game zone is something uh, in which you just enjoy what you do because because you do it and you like it and you love it, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's be- and and it's mostly that area, the game zone, in which you enjoy something so much that it makes you also go to the drill zone. Right. It makes you go to a zone in which you would like to further understand the exact details of something you mm-hmm. would like would like to understand the 
the why and how and what if, and you would like to understand the set of rules, which is obviously connected with uh, with playing a certain instrument, mm-hmm. and you and you want to learn these rules. And once you do that, and once you study, and once you just take advice from the best, and uh, and and you and you you dive to the bottom of the pond, literally. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. and once you did that, you need every now and then you you need to go back to the game zone. And in the game zone, there are no rules. There is no right or wrong. There is just the the pure joy of playing the instrument because you like it so much. Amazing. And uh, and it's and it's it's the I think the awareness of of both of uh, both of these spheres. Uh, number one, maintaining the love for the instrument and uh, and and the motivation and the inspiration that comes from there, mm-hmm. but then also going into the drill zone and uh, understanding the set of rules. Uh, and once you understand once you understand the set of rules. You go back to the game zone and you break the rules. Beautiful. But you can also you can also break you can only break the rules once you understand them. So true. So true. And uh, and I and I meet a lot of people uh, who consider themselves breaking the rules, but uh, actually they they may not even know the rules. It's not the same. Yes, I completely agree. Yeah. See, oh man, I love this conversation. This is this is lit. Like everything you're saying right now resonates so deeply within me. Can we talk about practice? Because this, when you refer to this, the first thing that comes to my mind is, what's the best way to nurture that system and that fundamental set of tools, wherein the rules are so deeply set within our bones that breaking them comes across as a natural counterbalance to the same. How did you work on this on your own? And how do you think is the best approach in this day and age to get there? Hmm. Um, good question. Um, I'm looking forward to your answer. I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. I mean, uh, when you when you practice, um, and and I say and I say this to all of my students: when you practice, you actually teach yourself. This is why teaching and practicing both follows the same set of rules. Mm. It's just when you teach, you, I mean, you, you teach a third person, obviously. When you practice, you teach yourself. That makes but, so much uh, sense. But the mechanics that you use for both of these scenarios are actually the same. That is mind-blowing. How did I not realize this? On, on, I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt you there, but yeah, th- mind-blown. <laughs> so... So that, that's, I think, the, the, the first thing you, you need to understand. Mm-hmm. The, the second thing is um, when you practice, it's, uh, it's about making, I mean, there, there, there may be a, a, a long list of rules that you can keep in your mind, but, uh, but to, to a very important part, it's about making choices because you cannot practice everything on every day. Yeah. That's, that's very important to understand. And uh, it's also important to uh, to understand that you will not be. Uh, I mean, your your drumming skills will not decrease drastically when you don't practice for a day, mm-hmm. and it will not decrease drastically when you don't practice for ten hours every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there's a lot of myth and a lot of stories uh, in which people connect a lot of. 
say, psychological burdening even with, uh, with their practicing, which I don't think is good. Yes, I agree with you. Um, another thing is, I mean, when you make your choice on what to practice, uh, you need to, uh, uh, I mean, you, you need to find out about priorities. Say, what is, what is next in my, what are my next goals in my personal development as a musician? Am I just trying to play that groove in, of the song so-and-so in my band, blah, blah, blah? Mm -hmm. uh, or, is, or what are like my, my next important achievements? Do I try to master, do, do I try to, to, to get accepted from a musical institute, an academy, a university? So is there something like an exam that I have to pass and, and that... And is that connected with a with a set of requirements that I need to have down? And what are these requirements? And who are possibly the teachers that I think are most important in forwarding that collection of knowledge to me? Mm -hmm. So it's a it's about making choices, and it's about tracking down uh, both the the people who have that knowledge. It's about uh, Uh, organizing your life in a way that all roads lead to that point in time mm -hmm. of I want to pass that examination mm -hmm. or I want to be successful as a musician and, uh, and, and make a living out of just playing music, not delivering pizza or doing something else. Mm -hmm. uh, I just want to play music. If that's your goal, okay, what can you do to get there? It's about Making, making plans, where do I see myself now and in a couple of months and maybe in a couple of years? If you, if you try to envision that, fine with me. Some people can do that, some people don't. Mm -hmm. I would, I mean, encourage everybody to dream big. Mm -hmm. Why not? Uh, and, okay. uh, and try to take measures that, that lead you there and organize your practicing uh, in a way that it leads you to that point. Well, what are your words of advice with your students or colleagues uh, for striking that balance between clarity and planning, like game plan, but also letting it flow, letting, letting the music take its own time to really kind of become a part of our lives, the progress and the growth? Because that's something I've often found myself myself struggling with and also see it in a lot of uh, students I mentor as well um, yeah. is there anything specific you can suggest or uh, I mean that in itself is almost like an oxymoron but uh, what's your general yeah. take on that that balance between the cerebral and the intuitive um, hmm. I mean the, 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 there, there, there's quite a lot of, of say concepts that that people use to uh uh to uh to to, to unfold these these th that mystery i would say of 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 reaching out to untapped potential mm -hmm. to me it it uh, uh, to a good part it was connected with uh, trying to not be afraid of making mistakes And that's that's something that that I say a lot of times, and uh, and and I remember when when you would be in a lesson with uh, with Chapin, mm -hmm. he was never afraid of making mistakes. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, at, at times it was just great what he did, and uh, but 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 Jim was was never afraid of making a fool out of himself. He would just go crazy when it, when he had some. I mean, the, the no matter how strange the idea was, he would try it out, and possibly he could play it, mm-hmm. but possibly he could not play it. And and he was never afraid of making mistakes. It was always the the love for the instrument and the love for music and uh and uh and just being inspired and motivated by just that mm-hmm. which kept him from from being afraid of making mistakes so fearlessness and, uh, yeah it's it's something about you you need to be fearless true and uh um and 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 you and you should try to not hide behind the music some oh, people are hiding different. Uh, behind Guil- guilty as charged that was me in my teenage years guilty as charged <laughs> I would hide I would so hide behind my piano and uh, yeah and, and it and it's both in a in, in a physical way I mean like Indeed. people are hiding behind their instrument really mm-hmm. uh, just in just uh, as well as hiding behind the notes you play so, I mean think yeah. with thinking like uh, uh Oh, I play this and that pattern. I play this and that groove because I I know it's it's considered to be pretty complicated. And when I play that kind of okay, people will accept me as a skillful musician. Wow, so true. Which I which I think is uh, is totally the wrong way. And of course, we are more. I mean, most likely we are all guilty of that to some degree. But trying to get rid of hiding behind the music that you play and hiding behind the instrument in a, in a very physical way, that is super important. You, you need to, uh, uh, I mean, dare to be yourself. Be authentic. Be the person that you are. And once you dare to expose yourself, mm-hmm. and which even includes... Uh, Showing a certain amount of weaknesses, it it will not turn out as a weakness. It may even turn out to be the strong side of your performance. So true, so true. Vulnerability. Yeah. I'm just gonna check. Sorry, I'm, I, I just want to respect your time. Make sure I'm, uh, I have a because yeah, yeah. a lot of these times I get so lost in these conversations. I have no idea how long we're talking. <laughs> we had a common friend on a few months back, Stefan Maas. Hmm. We were talking for almost three hours. Quite an episode to edit. So I just want to make sure uh, I have some idea of time uh, while we're doing this. Which uh, actually is relevant to my next question. Um, I still heard some of this in the last thing you said. Timeline, you know. Again, at the risk of sounding repetitive, when we uh, go into college, music college, or do undergo a mentorship program, what we're basically given are a list of tasks and assignments that need to be finished on a specific deadline, right? In a way, and I'm just thinking out loud here, it's almost contradictory to the to the longer journey, which is about give, you know, not to rush it and let the music really integrate itself on its own. Because music has its own energy, right? It has its own. I look about it. For me, it's an entity on its own as well. For it to also engage on its own terms and integrate itself in our lives on its own terms. I've always found that a dichotomy very challenging to navigate, especially as an 
music student when I was younger in my 20s that was one of my biggest challenges and I wonder often some of the kids I mentor how do you feel is the best way to help them do that mm. striking that balance between hard deadlines but also not being too hard on yourself <laughs> that that is difficult and i think in a student teacher relationship it is also important to consider the person that is in front of you because you run into students which uh, which are very disciplined and uh, and they are already pretty good with keeping certain timelines and deadlines once you give them like a, a certain task to do like learn this piece we're going to talk through it and there's going to be an examination in i don't know six weeks from now mm -hmm. we're going to work through it step by step but uh, but you need to perform it by then that's going to be the date right and uh, some, some people do master that in a pretty good way I'm, and i'm not speaking about how they finally do and and what mark they get mm -hmm. uh, but i'm just saying they are pretty good with organizing themselves towards that deadline mm -hmm. and with other people they may want to be able to do it but they they rather look at it as like a huge burden on their shoulders saying and, and at, a, at a at a certain point they may they may even crash psychologically exactly say, yes which i see more often in just in in recent years yes it's a pattern right it keeps getting more intense that psychological pressure which uh, seems to be on people has uh, has drastically gained importance and and, and relevance and uh, and trying to help students to maneuver through these shoals of psychological pressure which is on them mm -hmm. has uh, become a more and more important part of of mentorship i feel mm -hmm. the other thing is um, the aspect of hmm, of relevance is something really relevant to a certain student or is it just something on the side yeah and i try to uh, to respect the personality and the and the interest and the uh, personal skills and, uh, and and all the stuff that a student already brings i try to consider that when i when i put down uh, certain requirements and deadlines and uh, and goals to reach i don't have like that very same set of assignments that that I put out to every student that I teach. Beautiful. It's not the same for everybody. It's Beautiful. a it's a little different every now and then. And there are certain students which I allow for more freedom, and there are certain students of which I notice, oh, he he really needs. I mean, very clear fences. Mm -hmm. And I would say, okay, you go from here to here. That's the area in which you move. This is your direction. You you can go. In between the fences, but you never climb the fences. You stay here. Boundaries. And with other people, I just tell them, okay, here's your area. Enjoy the game. Go. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. So it's, to, to some degree, it, it's about you as a teacher, you need to read students. You need to read people. And uh, of course, at times you do misread them. Mm -hmm. Happens. Mm -hmm. But uh, there's always room to, to readjust things. Here's a slightly provocative question. Would you consider yourself an exception as a teacher with this approach of yours? Or do you see more of your colleagues, like education colleagues, also taking a similar approach? Huh. Um, 
I, I, I wouldn't, uh, I'm always having trouble with, uh, um, <laughs> say, call, calling myself something like not, calling myself so, something like exceptional. Okay. I, I usually, usually never do that. I know there, there are colleagues of mine who, uh, who follow a, a, a similar mindset mm -hmm. and, and similar strategies as teachers and as mentors. Mm -hmm. But I also know that there are people who follow a very different path. I, I do respect both, and uh, it's just, personally, I'm not convinced that a very strict and rigid way of taking people by the neck and, okay, right. in the cold water. That, right. that may be cool for person A, but it may be not cool for person B, C, D, E. Exactly. Which is why I think it's important to read music, and as a teacher... It's a, uh, I usually come up with, with that comparison. It's a, uh, you know, the, the fish has to like the bait. It's not about the fishermen. Oh, wonderful. Is that, is that your own? Did you come up with that cell yourself? Or? Uh, I don't think so. I, I guess I have read it somewhere a long time ago, but uh, I, I frankly don't remember where and i I, I don't know who put it out. Well, it, no it works. It works. I'm going to have to remember that one. It's about the fish and not the fishermen. So beautiful. Um, so how has um, life been as an educator since the pandemic? I mean, the whole world changed, and especially music education. Right. I mean, musicians anyway, the life of a musician has undergone major changes. Mm, but for, for the sake of some degree of focus, I'm going to stick to the educational part of it because... Um, as we know, by the way, I, I'm German too, uh, although I'm currently in India with my family. Oh. And I, uh, I've, I've worked, uh, yeah, yeah, längere <laughs> Geschichte. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, and I, I've worked in the system too. And I noticed, um, as you probably know yourself, um, for us in Germany, uh, we have been one of the most more conservative digital cultures in the past. And since the pandemic, a lot of change has undergone and it's it's a huge topic right now amidst my circles too like where is digital education uh, headed and is this a legitimate format and uh, a lot of controversy around this i'd be very curious as to how your experience has been making that um uh shift although in your case it probably hasn't been a huge shift since you were internationally active for the whole time anyway uh, but how have your experiences been overall making so much of your lessons and your teaching available online since the pandemic hit. Yeah. Um, I mean, in, in the in the first place, I was, I mean, I, I was lucky to notice that uh, my life actually didn't change that much in in, 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 yeah. in a couple of ways. Uh, I mean, the, the the good thing was that <clears throat> even before. Uh, before the pandemic started, I was teaching quite actively online. I mean, it wouldn't be like uh, the, the majority of my teaching, which was still for the most part in, in a one-on-one -on -one setting in my in my studio here. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, still with with people from all parts of the world coming in from from Asia, the U.S., and all all parts of Europe. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, the good thing was my uh, 
uh, I mean, my my little online setting here was already working. So when the pandemic Beautiful. took over, there was no cut in my in my work, right. more or less. It was just it right. it completely shifted to online. And uh, although one-on-one -on -one teaching is allowed now, uh, again here with the with the numbers being very low at this point, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I mean, still I have uh, days and at times even weeks in which nobody's coming to my studio and it's all taking place right. online. So a typical right. teaching day would be like in the mornings I have I may have two people from Australia and then somebody from China, possibly somebody from India. Possibly somebody from I don't know the, lots of UK students. I don't know why UK got so pushed. I no idea. There is Spain, France, Poland, Italy, la, 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 Nigeria. I had two weeks ago, uh, and then usually towards the evening, late afternoon, it switches over the big pond to the uh, to the US. With I mean people from from east to west. And uh, mm -hmm. that could be a, a, a typical day teaching online. Beautiful. So the the only thing which drastically changed was, I mean, the of course the the traveling went away. Right. All the all the international in presence work with, I mean, hosting master classes and, and drum clinics and uh, and and drum festivals, uh, mm -hmm. in, in which you would take part. I mean, all of that fell apart. I mean, from from one day to the other more or less which right. is now slowly coming back late summer and, and and fall this year uh i think online education uh will possibly never completely replace uh a, a true one-on-one -on -one setting with two people in the same room it's still a different vibe it's a different quality of how you forward uh knowledge uh, to another person, the the experience you have with two people in the same room is, I mean, there there is nothing like that. But teaching online has turned out to be something that can be very close to that, and it comes with a lot of, say, uh, advantages that a lot of people don't get to see. I mean, I can I can share written music like boom just by pushing a button right i can right. record something just like that and and share the video i can uh, right. uh or let's say even with my students there, there were some students that uh, even drastically improved their their yeah. skills during the pandemic because it allowed them to focus much more on certain things and and keep other say disturbing influences out right some of them were really profiting and some were really good with organizing themselves within all of that while others mm -hmm. were struggling with technique and uh, uh being lost in video games and not knowing what to do next and all of a sudden the the day is flying by right. and you didn't do anything at all right so the 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 pandemic in certain ways it did amplify certain things which uh, uh, which were already there before the, the the students who were good with organizing themselves before I mean they also did great during the pandemic and the ones who were struggling before were now struggling even more mm. just saying <laughs> yeah yeah a wise man said amidst um, all of this it seems like everyone's just being more of themselves since the pandemic hit. <laughs> <laughs> 
what would you say uh, in the future do you see online education here to stay or is this just a passing fad in your opinion i th i think uh it's going to be here to stay it will possibly decrease a little as uh, as the pandemic situation is hopefully going to uh to improve in in a step by step fashion but i think uh, we will see uh, the, the, the staying power of online education. And uh, I think we will also see a drastic improvement of online education. I think it can't just be, okay, here's a video, download it, and uh, then pay me right. loads of money uh, because uh, yeah. the video is good. That's not right. it. it. It has to go to a different level. It has to... Uh, it has to be structured way better than it is with most of the online platforms right now where you have a lot of conflicting information, a lot of redundant information, a lot of, uh, at times, not even legit information. And, uh, and it, it kind of follows the same mechanics as all these conspiracy theories do. Somebody puts out an opinion and, uh, mm -hmm. and once the opinion is out... It's kind of hard to to take a different standpoint, and it's kind of hard to say no, that's not true. What you say is simply just not true. That's not true, legit, consistent information. Stay away from it. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but yeah, but but it, again, it, it follows the same mechanics as all as as all the I don't know. Birds are fake. The Earth is flat. No, the Earth is hollow. The uh, the, the chemtrails and, and all of that and uh, no there there is no there is no uh, global heating there is no such thing like that uh, mm -hmm. it's it, it follows the same mechanics and uh, and I think because it's the same medium putting it all putting all the information it's just a yeah. it's just one one common field yeah. one medium putting out all the information out yeah there. and 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 once people put themselves out of a certain set of rules because they they feel restricted to a certain degree and they feel not at home and they feel like not part of something they they mm -hmm. at a certain point they may come up with their own rules they may come up with with the rule that uh the sky is green the right. sky is not blue and uh you mm -hmm. should just reach out and research uh th there's quite a lot of people also being of the opinion that the that the sky is green just check this out if you think the sky is blue oh poor you you but again you you just follow your set of rules but we are the chosen ones who found the, that one and only piece of truth uh mm -hmm. which i think is dangerous yes that that that's going to get pretty complex in the near future i think what are your um, words of advice to fellow educators and musicians in upping their game as far as offering their services as an online musician or educator are? Um, so um, my answer to, to some degree will may be connected with uh, um, uh, with, with a little piece of, uh, of, of say, advertisement, <laughs> I should say. Uh, because Absolutely. That's what we're here the, for. Together with a, with a student of mine, uh, and uh, and my cousin Annika, we put together a platform which is uh, which is called Open Minded Drumming, and uh, because we felt uh, there are certain things that need to be 
improved about online education. So with, uh, with open-minded drumming, we try to take out that, uh, that uh, we, we try to reduce, a, a, let's say, redundancy of, of certain things. Okay, we all know you should play your instrument as relaxed as possible, but I don't need to say this a hundred times from a hundred different people. Uh, it's maybe five times around will possibly do the job just as well. Mm -hmm. Same goes for uh, uh, trying to make a direct connection with the users of a platform, which is why we put up say, monthly meetings with all the users where everybody can connect with us and direct mm -hmm. our answers, I mean, directly to us. We are sitting Community. In, that, in that meeting and we are everybody's questions uh, and, uh, and, we are, and we are putting all these, these live meetings to an archive. So in case you can't make it for the meeting, you go to the archive and you, and, and you check it out at whatever point in time when when you're free to do so. At the same mm -hmm. point, we are looking into, uh, say, uh, supplying information which is not conflicting. And, uh, and this is, I think, extremely important because uh, when, you, when you look at other online platforms, you simply find a lot of conflicting information. You may find, uh, okay, here's, here's drummer A and he tells you, do this. The next day, you watch a lesson from drummer B, and he would tell you, um, you better do this. And the next day, right. you listen to drummer C, who tells you, this is all bullshit. You, you, I mean, there's no other way than doing this. And uh, mm -hmm. say, especially when you have uh, somebody who doesn't know any better or somebody who is afraid of taking own decisions and afraid of, okay, Let's imagine I don't know anything. What of these three different solutions does sound most likely to be true? What does really yeah. apply to me? But it takes yeah. a serious amount of courage to come up with that decision to, mm -hmm. to not consider suggestion A, to not consider suggestion B, and to look into suggestion C because you think, okay, that sounds the most likely way to approach the, the, the problem. That takes courage. And uh, taking out all of these conflicting pieces of information um, is, I think, to me, that number one part, and uh, especially with, with drumming, where we have mm -hmm. a... Um, I mean, the instrument itself is still relatively young, although drums itself are, like, super old. It's, like... I mean, besides human voice, possibly the oldest instrument on the earth, percussive mm -hmm. instruments. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But the instrument itself is very young, and we're still struggling with a lot of terminology and nomenclature and trying mm -hmm. to save certain parts of the tradition where drumming came from and how it got transported to the next century and to a different part of the world and to the next generation of drummers and, and we are losing we are losing certain things all along that way at times yeah. we are losing parts which are say not super relevant at but at times we do lose knowledge which is relevant 
And at times it, do, it is replaced by stuff which uh, is not relevant at all, I'm afraid to say. In the worst. Yeah, I hear you. Yes, indeed. I hear you. Where is the best place to uh, find you online and support your work on your journey? Um, well, I'm, I mean, obviously, the, there's my website, klausesler.com, in which yes. you would find uh, information about myself, like my, my setup, my writer, my, my books, my, mm -hmm. I mean, discography, at least a selection of that, and, uh, and anything that there is to know about me, most likely. Uh, mm -hmm. Of course, there's a YouTube channel as well, uh, with, to which I do upload things from time to time. I'm not like super active on that, but uh, in case if anybody wants to subscribe to that, of course, you're super welcome. There's more mm -hmm. stuff in the pipeline. And uh, Excellent. Uh, there's, of course, Instagram, which, uh, which I'm relatively active with sort of pretty regular posts, most likely on a... Uh, for the most part, I mean, even on a daily basis. And there's also mm -hmm. like a selection of educational stuff and little lessons and uh, like some things that I practice for myself or stuff that came up during a lesson or some piece of little wisdom that I found relevant on a certain day. Beautiful. If you, yeah. if you want to join me there and, 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 uh, and, uh, and, and, and subscribe, of course, Everybody's welcome. There's my books in the online shop, uh, and I have quite some of them with, with more coming around still this year. Mm -hmm. uh, there's openmindeddrumming.com, as I just mentioned, which is my, my online platform, which, uh, which is going live out of the beta testing status from August this year. So, awesome. yeah, that's, that's pretty much what, what comes to my mind in the first place, yeah. Yeah, FYI, we're going to have all links on the episode notes as well and um, cool. um, detailed. So for my listeners, please make sure you do go check that out. I sometimes I ask a question uh, on some of my guests, uh, not all the time. And in this case, I feel it appropriate. So uh, as you know, this, this, this podcast is called uh, Tapasya Loading. And tapas in ancient Sanskrit means the act of burning baggage away, for lack of a better term. So my question to you is... Burning what? Bur baggage. Burning baggage. Yeah, in a way, for lack of a better term. Burning baggage you like, yeah. or burning fear away. There's multiple interpretations of this. So my question to you is, if you had a choice to burn something away in that sacred fire, what it would be? My mobile phone. Awesome. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Gotcha. Beautiful. The, that's, that, that is hands down the most spontaneous and convicted uh, answer I've heard. Well, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I want to respect your time. It's an honor to have had you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, it, was, it was super fun to be talking with you. Thanks for having me on the show and um, excited to, to see this, this online and, uh, and, and to spread the word about what you do. Likewise. Honor is all mine. Thank you so much for being game to do this. And I will keep you posted on when this comes out. It'll be a few weeks. But uh, in the meantime, I will be in touch. Be safe, good health, and, uh, and, and, uh, and just like some final good wish. Thank you, Klaus. I sincerely appreciate that. Right back at you. And have a fantastic day. Thanks for coming on again. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Gratitude from the bottom of my heart for listening to the very end. 
please consider taking a minute to subscribe to our shows so you know when the next episode is out. This is a labor of love, one I hope snowballs into one that's sustainable in its attempt to support independent thought and authentic relating. And having you as a regular member of our audience is what makes that a realistic prospect. Much love and talk soon. Just another voice out here.